if this gospel is not harrowing to you, then you didn't hear it. Because it should scare us a little bit, maybe a lot. But where do we think perhaps it would emanate from? The, the parable. Like, why would Jesus get to talking about weeds and wheat? He had to have been asked, why does God allow evil? Why doesn't he just do away with it? You know, why does, so he's building his kingdom, and you're talking about building your kingdom and all of the goodness and all the rest, but, and we love that. However, there's all of this evil and evildoers. Why do you let it happen? Why do you let it persist? And the answer is really interesting, because we would expect a God who is just and all-powerful, he could just do away with it. And in one sense, that's true. He could, but he doesn't. And so he gives this parable about how, yes, you know, the Son of Man is sowing good seed, right? He's preaching his word. And the, the wheat that grows is, is you know, are the, the ones who are his followers, the ones who, who do his will. But he also allows, God also allows Satan to have some influence in his kingdom. And Satan comes and sows weeds in the midst of his wheat, and they all grow up together. And the Lord is clear that, no, you can't pull up the weeds because you could disturb the wheat. And that is a really interesting concept. Basically, what he's saying is, I can't or won't do away with evil yet because to do so would have a deleterious effect on, on the wheat, on those who are my followers. So I, not that he can't do it, but you, you get what I'm saying. Like, I can't do it yet because it's not the right time, to, but there will be a time. As, uh, as kids, my sister and I would go and visit some of my relatives in southern Minnesota, northern Iowa during the summer. And uh, they, were, they were all on farms, of course. And uh, we were city kids. We were from the big city of Oshkosh. Um, so <laughs> we were city folk. And, uh, um, and that was clear and obvious by our experiences. But I remember that they would once in a while say, well, we're going to go walk beans, you know, because the work doesn't stop just because you have visitors. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. It's an incredible amount of work on a farm. And so out we went with the hose, and I don't know how old, I, I mean, 10, maybe, 10 or 11. And uh, out we went, and they're like, okay, dig that one up. Which one? That one? I mean, you're 10 with a hoe, you know. I, and it was terrible, of course, walking beans. We're walking soybeans, if any of you have done this, you know how terrible it is. I'm sure they have machines for that now, but, you know, given you had child labor, why not use it even though they're on vacation? <laughs> so, so, and I just remember, I mean, my, you know, my aunt and uncle weren't horrible people, but, um, you know, it seemed like forever out in the sun, like trying to find the weeds and, and you know, it, it's not that easy. You get used to it, but it, there is the very clear likelihood that you're going to miss and hit something you shouldn't or dig something up that you shouldn't, right? So to me, just in my little small amount of experience, this makes sense. 
Like you, you're not always going to get just the wheat, or I mean the weeds. Sometimes you're going to get the wheat, or in this case, the, the beans. So what I think this goes back to is ultimately free will. Ultimately, the reason why God doesn't uproot the weeds is because of free will. Now, if I were to ask you, okay, so Jesus is clear, right? He is saying that at the end of the age, he will judge and some will burn in hell for eternity. I just want to make sure you get that, that that is absolutely clear. There's nothing, I mean, it's a parable, but there's nothing poetic here. He is clearly saying, yes, you are not going to experience full justice in this life. Evildoers will have some ability to do evil, and they will not get the justice they deserve in this life, but they will get it. And they will get it for eternity. Now, if I were to ask you, make a list of all of those who are weeds. That would be interesting. I wonder how many of you would be on each other's list. <laughs> you know, or our list would, would certainly, right, who we think are, are weeds, the other person probably thinks are wheat, which brings part of the problem to the fore. We have no clue. We really don't. Number one, we don't have any clue who are weeds and who are wheat. But secondly, we don't have the right to judge that. And Jesus has been clear. So when the Lord says, don't judge, he's not saying, don't judge action, right? We know X, Y, and Z is wrong because God has told us so, Ten Commandments, etc. He's not saying that. He's saying, don't judge the heart. You don't, only the Son of Man has the right to judge the individual for all of eternity. Could you imagine even having that burden? That would be a terrible burden for us. But not only can we not judge somebody else as to their eternal destiny, we cannot judge ourselves. When the Lord says don't judge, he also means ourselves. So, you know, knowing whether we're even weeds or weed might be somewhat inescapable in this life. So then how do we know if we're a weed or if we're weed? Well, let's talk about the weeds first. He points out two types of weeds. Number one, this is the activity of the evil one. So those who follow Satan and do his bidding are in fact infected by evil and are influenced by Satan. And go back to the garden, okay, to get an understanding of what Satan does. So God has commanded Adam and Eve to not eat of the one tree. Okay, so he's put a limitation on their freedom. They have freedom, but there's a limitation, just like all of us. We have freedom, but there are limitations. Ten Commandments are ten such limitations. There are boundaries placed upon our behavior to do right and to do good. And so this is what the garden is a metaphor for. He's put a boundary, he's put a limit on their freedom. And, and so they know they can eat of all the other things, right? You have all of this freedom, but not that. Which you know what that does to a teenager. You can do anything you want, but not that, which you would never say. You can do those things, you can't do those things. But as soon as you tell somebody not to do something, it starts to look better. 
But then Satan comes, and, the, and he tempts them. What does he tempt them? He lies to them. He lies to them. Because he says, well, who told you you can't eat? Well, God said so. Well, why did he tell you that? Well, because, you know, he said we would die. Oh, you won't die. No, no, no. See, see really, God just doesn't want you to be like him. You see, his, his law is a limitation on your freedom. And if you just throw off that law, you'll be more free, right? Because that's what this is all about, is, is freedom. Now, if this doesn't sound familiar to you with the culture, I, you know, it should be obvious, the parallels, right? So God is seen by Satan, even in the beginning, as this limitation on people's freedom. And so he tells them, he lies to them, you won't die. Well, that's true. It's not poisonous fruit. You won't die imminently. But in fact, they would die, or they would be subject to not, not just you know, temporal death, but eternal death, the consequence of original sin. So he lied to them. He called something that was evil good. And this is what Jesus talks about. He says, uh, you know, there are two types particularly. Those who cause others to sin and then just direct evildoers, those who do evil, causing others to sin. How does that happen? It happens when people, particularly people who have authority, call evil good, and they lead others to think that evil is actually good. And this is one of the pathologies of the age that we live in, that the world calls what is abnormal, normal. That the world calls what is unhealthy, healthy. That the world calls what is clearly evil by God's design, good. The world lies. And by world, I mean people. And then that lying turns into a sort of almost totalitarianism which we see in Western culture. Because if you don't go along with the lie, right, you're forced to conform to the lies, right? Companies and, and the rest, they're forced to conform to the lies. You're forced to conform to the lies when you go to college. You're not allowed to disagree. When you go to high school, you're not allowed to disagree. Parents who, who want to you know, be careful about what their kids learn in school, you're not allowed to disagree. The government will enforce, in this particular case, what your children, this just happened in California, look it up. The government will tell you what you will accept in this particular case. And that's just one manifestation of it. And that's not the entirety of the government, that's particularly California, and you know, we would expect that in California. <laughs> but there's a problem. Right, Because it leads to a totalitarianism. You will accept the lie or you will be punished. And so as wheat, it is incumbent upon us to live by the truth and declare the truth. And the truth, what is the truth, right? Well, this becomes the problem. What is the truth? Well, we have to go to God and we have to go to Jesus. He's given us clear directives on this. Start with the Ten Commandments. 
You know, read the Gospels. It's obvious. We all know what God approves of and what he doesn't. And the ones who lead us by lies will, will be exactly like Satan. They'll say, oh, no, well, God didn't mean that, you know, in the Scripture. Well, that's not really what he meant, or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Just like Satan in the garden. No, it's, you won't die. Well, they found out they would. So what we need to do is live by truth and be fearless, and we will get punished. Now, we ought to be prudent with that, understanding the context, the audience, the right time, the right manner in which we do it. We don't have to beat people over the head, but we must stand for truth and not be afraid. In your families, in your place of employment, at Safeway, in the church parking lot, in school. It's okay to tell your schoolmates right is right and wrong is wrong. It's okay. There needs to be some pushback. So that's the first thing we must do. Lead our families and our communities by truth. Where's the truth? Jesus Christ. It's been given to us through divine revelation. It's not opinion. It's objective truth. That's the first thing. The second is this. Why does God allow the weeds to keep growing? And you might be out there thinking, you know, I might be a weed. You might be. Maybe. Or you might know somebody who's a weed. And somebody you dearly love. One of your children or a friend parent, they've lost their way, and right now they're a weed. If God pulled up the weeds, they wouldn't have a chance at repentance. And the reason he won't pull them up is because he desperately wants their salvation. And the truth is, he said it, he will, he will give us until the last breath to convert he will give every single human being the, the very last second to come to him, and he will take us. He will do it. If he uproots things too soon, they lose the chance. We should truly desire, and I mean this, that no one is in hell. If we truly love and desire what God desires, and we don't know, but we should desire that no one is in hell, that even the worst person at the end converted and came to Christ. Because that's what God wishes. It's possible that they don't, though. I can't even imagine, you know, I can a little bit, but how much it pains God in the end that some people will still reject him and that he just desires for them to know him and to be in his love for all of eternity. But if they won't, he has to give them what they want. It's a necessary consequence of freedom. And so if you're a weed and you're not sure, there is hope. If you know weeds in your family, there is hope. 
the disposition we need to have to ensure that we're not weeds, but we're wheat, is conversion. Because every single one of us is going to sin. Sinning doesn't make us weeds. Not trying makes us weeds. Doing evil with no intention of change makes us weeds. Doing evil and calling it good and teaching others to do evil, that's a weed. But somebody who sins and repents and continually engages conversion and says, Lord, I don't want to be a weed. I want to be a weed. I want to be brought into your barn. And so whatever I need to do, whatever I need to learn, I will change. That's the disposition of the righteous and the blessed. And so do not fear your salvation. Perhaps fear not trying. Fear being lazy. Fear being apathetic. Fear living your life by lies. But seek to live in the truth of Jesus Christ and know the ultimate freedom he gives for all of eternity. Please stand.